The service of prayer and preaching for the 16th Sunday after Trinity, September 19th, 2021. The opening hymn is LSB 683, Jesus, Thy Boundless Love to Me. Jesus, thy boundless love to me, no thought can reach, no tongue declare. Unite my thankful heart to thee, and reign without a This is the day which the Lord has made. 
Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, Proclaim that his name is exalted. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. A reading from 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and delivered him to his mother. 
And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The intro is verses from Psalm 86. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. A reading from Ephesians, the third chapter. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every fatherhood in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Luke, the 7th chapter. Soon afterward, Jesus journeyed to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd were journeying with him. But he drew near to the gate of the city, and behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only begotten son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd of the city was with her. And seeing her, the Lord had compassion on her and said to her, Do not go on weeping. And approaching, he touched the bier, and the one who was the ones who were bearing it stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, be raised up. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and he gave him to his mother. And fear seized them all, and they were glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has been raised up among us, and God has visited his people. And this word concerning him went out in all Judea, also all the surrounding countryside. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Continue with the common responsory on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. We continue with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning is our epistle lesson, Ephesians chapter 3. If you've looked at the bulletin online, you will see that the title for the sermon is, Why Should I Care About Fatherhood? The short and simple answer is it because it is what is best for the children. Today there is much fighting and debate as to who is in charge of the family. Is it the father, the mother, the children, or a combination of these, or none of these? When it comes to making right and proper decisions for a family, what is best? Who determines what is best? The scriptures place this into the hands of the father. Don't get all bent out of shape yet. The word father is a very important word. Our current sociological climate has done much work to downplay and denigrate the word and role of father. And let's be honest, fathers have not helped their case either. Many fathers have abandoned their children, pursuing their own self-interests. Many fathers have been kept from their children as a child becomes a weapon for both parents to use and to hurt each other. Many fathers have even abdicated their roles of fatherhood as men being spiritual heads of the household are ever decreasing. It is important to know, it is from the word father that we get the word family. This is not so clear in English, but in Greek it's extremely obvious. Our text from Ephesians uses the same word for father and family. It makes for a clunky English sentence, but an important one. For this reason I bow my knees to the father, of whom every father in heaven and on earth is named. 
The family unit as designed by God is to have a father and a mother. Both are needed and both have specific and complementary roles. There has been so much arguing and fighting around these roles that many have forgotten their individual uniqueness and strengths they bring in harmony and complement to each other for the good of the children. In the past generation, we have seen a steady increase of children born outside the bonds of marriage and a rise of families without a father. What we have been privy to is a steady decline of family in America. This being the case, it really is no wonder there's a lack of respect for those placed in positions of authority. We cannot blame the children without first looking at those who were tasked by God to teach them, those who were placed by God to stand in his stead and given charge and care of their physical and spiritual well-being. It's no secret that the 1960s seemed to thrust forward many ideologies seeking to attack and undermine any type of authority, so of course the parental role will suffer. The revolution was not only about challenging authority, it put the individual in the driver's seat of all knowledge and understanding. It made each man his own god. There are also whole groups who believe and teach fathers are completely unnecessary. It promotes a simple idea that a man and a woman are interchangeable. It's a system that teaches a child can have any kind of parental unit, two fathers, two mothers, a mother and a father, and none at all. Maybe it should be left to a larger system of government who knows better than an individual parent. The basic truth does not change. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. No amount of mutilation or altering of the body can change the basic chromosomal makeup of XY male and XX female. We get so bogged down by politically correct terms that basic biology is often overlooked. Instead of embracing confusion, we ought to be seeing how this is a mental health struggle and people who suffer from these afflictions are to be pitied and in need of our prayers, our help, our love and concern for their betterment. We can love our neighbors, embrace them as a brother and sister in Christ without embracing or agreeing with their sin. As brothers and sisters, we bear one another's burdens in love, but this can only be done if God's word and not our own personal philosophies are the sole basis for faith and life. Our generation might be confused about gender differences, but when a person chooses to be ignorant of the Holy Scriptures or chooses to deny them, confusion is always the result. Confused or not, the reality does not change. Just because I don't know if a chocolate chip cookie is a chocolate chip cookie or a sugar cookie, it's still a chocolate chip cookie. In the same way, regardless of the confusion, a male is a male and a female is a female. These are vitally important distinctions because God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. When God creates, gender is important to him. It is vital to the ongoing procreation of the human race. And it's important to teach the relationship that he has with his bride, the church. To get to where we are at today, one has to abandon belief in the Holy Scriptures. Either they are the authoritative word of God or they're not. It's that simple. As the confession of God's holy word has been chipped away little by little, many mainline American churches abandon the truth of God's word for a lie. Where this ends is not a good place. Ludwig Feuerbach, a 19th century German atheist, fervently taught that humanity makes God in its own image. He argued that what we say about God is simply a projection of our own wants, our own desires, and our own needs. How sad that just over a hundred years later, this is what we hear from many pulpits in America. We have church bodies that argue God is not necessarily Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They argue these are outdated in relative terms that originated during a patriarchal and sexist era of human history, a time when women were dominated and kept in inferior positions. 
They retort, we have now progressed well beyond those unflattering dark ages of male supremacy, and now we can call God mother or parent or any name that's not specified to a certain gender. I was at a wedding where God was addressed as father, lover, mother, God. We must, never, we must ever be on guard, so we do not fall into such temptations. We are not to change God's name. We are to use it properly, to call upon in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. My parents gave me a name, and you wouldn't even think of changing it for me. You may want to call me by different descriptive words sometimes, but you wouldn't go so far as to change my name. How pretentious and pompous must we be to think we have the right to change God's name for him, to change his word for him, or to change his gender for him. If God didn't think gender was important, he wouldn't have made it, and he certainly wouldn't have been happy with Jesus commanding his children to pray, Our Father. As the perfect father, God did not think of his God did think of his children, and he knows what is best. He sent his son to die for the transgressions of mankind. His only begotten son, very God of very God, took on human flesh. He emptied himself and became a man. He was born as a male baby from the father and an earthly mother and was born into a human family to restore all fathers, all families. Where the first man, the first father, Adam, was not content with the given role and importance of father, the second man, Jesus Christ, was. He lived perfectly with one God, one Lord, one father of all. With one father, there is but one family. That means one bloodline, one blood shed, one life blood poured, one blood that connects all children together. The importance of gender goes way beyond the simplicity of physically having babies. There are roles and strengths given to each gender, because there are weaknesses given to each gender. Man and woman are not to fight and overthrow in attempts to neutralize each other. Man and women are not interchangeable, they are complementary. If two men or two women are interchangeable with one man and woman as parents, then we should see single-parent households really thrive, shouldn't we? If it's a matter of numbers, then there should be no parents, and the government should be in charge of all kids because there's a larger number than two, right? Father and mother are both important and both must be kept respected, loved, and cherished. God is the father. He is not the mother or a general random deity. The scriptures never call him mother because they call the church our mother. The Holy Scriptures exclusively use male pronouns to refer to God, not because he has a sex as a creature with biological chromosomes, but because he is our father, not our mother. If we're going to be a church that believes in and confesses the true God, there can only be one source of our teaching and one authority of our proclamation. To have otherwise is to be lost to confusion. And we would all fumble in the dark. From God's holy word, we see every family springs from one fatherhood. Each family has at its source the fatherhood of God, whether they recognize it or not. It is backwards to think generations called God father because they lived in a patriarchal society. Human fatherhood directly stems from the fatherhood of God. The father of the home has his identity given to him by the fatherhood of God himself. The father and the mother of a child derive their identity and their roles towards their child from God himself. As his children, the Heavenly Father has graciously given us the Church, our Mother, through whom the Holy Spirit births children in the kingdom of God and bestows on them all glory and honor as heirs of heaven. He uses this, our Mother, to feed and nourish with his Holy Word. As we are in his bride, the Church, we, with St. Paul, bow our knees in prayer. 
This is a bodily display of a spiritual posture. It's a physical reminder of Jesus' words, whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We don't speak as unruly children or heap up empty phrases. We don't make selfish, nonsensical demands based upon my ideas of God. Rather, with all boldness and confidence, we ask him as dear children ask their dear father. How do we know he will answer or hears or even cares? He is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has commanded us to pray in this way. He has sent his only son to buy us back from sin, death, and hell, giving us victory over Satan and his evil horn. He forsook his only begotten son on the cross for your eternal benefit. Why would he not listen? If you ever think God does not care about you, simply look at his son. Behold his love for you, the breadth and length and height and depth, as the blood poured out on the cross and into the chalice which you drink for eternal life. Father, forgive them. The fatherhood of God is not a bloodless, Masonic religious speculation. It's the fundamental truth of all creation. God, the Father, is Father of the Son by an eternal begetting. The Son is of the same substance as the Father. We are children of God through faith given in the washing of regeneration. But Jesus, who walked up to the coffin and touched it, defying death with his almighty word, is the Jesus who brings us the love of our Heavenly Father as he walked up to us and touched our coffins, our bodies of sin and death, and gives us new life. He gives us to our mother who cares and sustains us. Because every father gets his fatherhood identity from God, every person ever born is important. That is a body and a soul individual from God shed his blood. Because the human race did not evolve from primordial slime or ancient prehistoric ooze, every human is not just a product of random chance. Each person, regardless of race or nationality, is bestowed by God the Father with inherent dignity and value. No child is an accident. Every single one is planned by God. It may not be in our plan, but it is in His. If we truly care about the health and strength of families, if we truly think about and care about the children, then we need to act we first need to act as if what we confess about the fatherhood of God is true. That means every father of every family has the God-given duty and privilege of acting as God's appointed head of the home, caring for in thought, word, and deed the physical and spiritual well-being of those in their home. Where a father, where a father is lacking in this vocation, we must help to restore and strengthen. Where a mother has been abandoned, we get to help. We in the body of Christ have wonderful opportunities to encourage and bear these burdens in love. God has given us fatherhood. He has given us family. Sin and Satan try to destroy them both. Christ has defeated sin and Satan and gives us the victory to his blessed children. May he grant us his grace to think about the children. He certainly has. The will of God is always best and shall be done forever. And they who trust in him are blessed he will forsake them never. He helps indeed in time of need. He chastens with forbearing. They who depend on God, their friend, shall not be left despairing. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Oh.
how high beyond all thought and fantasy. But God, the Son of God, should take our mortal form for mortal's sake. He sent no angel to our race of higher or of lower place, but wore the robe of human frame, and to this world himself he came. For us baptized, for us he bore his holy fast and hungered sore. For us temptation sharp he knew, for us the tempter overthrew. For us he prayed, for us he taught, for us his daily works he wrought. By words and signs and actions thus still seeking not himself but us. For us by wickedness betrayed, for us in the crown of thorns arrayed, he bore the shameful cross and death, for us he gave his dying breath. For us he rose from death again, for us he went on high to reign, for us he sent his spirit here to guide to strengthen and to cheer. All glory to our Lord and God for love so deep, so high, so broad. The Trinity whom we adore forever and forevermore. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, 
and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. O Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. In place of the New Testament canticle, we sing LSB 582, God's Word is Our Great Heritage. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. Final hymn 
is TLH 594, When My Last Hour is Close at Hand. When my last hour is close at hand, Lord Jesus Christ, attend me. Beside me then, O Savior, stand to comfort and defend me. Into thy hands I will commend my soul at this my earthly end, and thou wilt keep it safely. My sins, dear Lord, disturb me sore, my conscience cannot slumber, but though ascends upon the shore, my sins may be in number. I will not quail, but think of thee, thy death, thy sorrow born for me. Thy suffering shall uphold me. I am a branch in thee, the vine, and hence the comfort borrow, that thou wilt surely keep me thine, through fear and pain and sorrow. And when I die, I die to thee, Thy precious death hath won for me the life that never endeth. Since thou the power of death didst rend, in death thou wilt not leave me. Since thou didst into heaven ascend, no fear of death shall grieve me, for where thou art there shall I be, that I may ever live with thee. That is my hope when dying. My spirit I commend to thee, and gladly hence betake me.
peaceful and calm my sleep shall be. No human voice can wake me, but Christ is with me through the strife, and he will bear me into life and open heaven.